You're listening to Super Power Up with multidimensional master, superpower expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Tonya Donrekla. If you're ready to disrupt reality, then sit down, strap in, and prepare to experience the show that proves there is no spoon. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and I am excited for today's episode. I love my job. I get to talk to the coolest people, and today's absolutely no exception. I've been excited for this conversation. Um, today, we're talking with Monica Harris about transforming reality. Now, this is so perfect, folks. Really, her book is Reality Bites, and it's insights on bridging the American divide. And she sits in this beautiful space. She, she, she's a, a self-admitted recovering lawyer um, and, and really s- challenging that, right? Like this disruption kind of dialogue, challenging what we've been fed to believe is reality. And, and we could get into all kinds of conspiracy theories on it. But as you know, from my show, you know, the, the personal kind of responsibility in that is our willingness to say, wait a second, like, this doesn't feel good. Like, I don't know that it has to be there. Why does it have to be that way? Or who says it has to be that way? And what does that serve? Right. So, so you can see how that, that those kinds of threads start to emerge when we look at those things. And, and Monica's existence is, is really to challenge both those bounds. Um, she challenged the bounds and then to be able to speak to that, right? Like, what does that mean? And what does that walk look like? And, and all of that fun stuff that we talk about here at superpower experts, because it takes real courage to turn around and look your world in the face and say, yeah, I don't know about this. Right. And I'm I'm not sure I want to be complicit in the perpetuation of this any longer. And, And then of course, all the growth that comes with that as you try to swim against the tide. Um, and so that's the conversation today is what, what that walk looks like. And, and hopefully in that we can give you some encouragement that it's well worth it. Um, as, as, as we, we can speak to transforming your reality in a really, um, powerful and, and very actualized way. I mean, we're not talking fluffy, like, oh, I just think it's better. Like, it transforms in front of your face and, and, and what that walk looks like. And so I'm excited to, to have Monica share with you her wisdom and her experiences and just this beingness that she's cultivated that that kind of makes all of us want to jump in and go, yes, more of this, please. So so without further ado, please join me in welcoming to the show, Monica Harris. Welcome, Monica. Yeah, it's It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is our pleasure for sure. And we're going to jump right in with our first question, which is, what are your superpowers? Well, I think my superpower is that I have a unique experience as a gay Black woman, and I've been gifted with the reality to see how our, or excuse me, I've been gifted with the perspective to see how our reality has been distorted on multiple levels, not just with respect to race, but with respect to sex, with respect to sexual orientation. Um, And it's given me the ability to see that we have so much more in common than we have that separates us. But when we are siloed in our little boxes of I'm a straight white man, I'm a, you know, uh, transgender uh, Latino person, I'm a, 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 a bisexual black woman, when we're siloed into these different boxes, we don't see what brings us together. But the intersection of a of being a gay black woman, and I'll, and I'll say this, I was once a Republican, and then I became a Democrat, and then I became an independent, and now I'm nothing. So I also have a sort of <laughs> political cross-section. 
it's it's given me a bird's eye view that I don't of, mm. of just reality that I don't think a lot of people have these days because most mm. people are very pigeonholed. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, we we could unpack this one for probably years. You and I just need to sit together and just talk, mm. right, for for hours. But the um, there's so much power in what you're talking about because the and that vantage point only comes um, when we're willing to connect into some element of coherence, right? Like for some people, it's oneness. For some people, it's God. For some people, it's spirit. For some people, it's the divine. But for others, it's just energy, right? It's like we can connect in the fact that that we're all human. Like like we should probably work together, you know. Like like just kind of this this general kind of niceness kind of place that that I think has been forgotten. And and when we have that vantage point, you know, I'm sure you're you're you're, you're kind of like me. Sometimes I feel like I'm always looking at people with like the confused dog look. Like, how are you not seeing this? Like, and and in in explaining it and explaining it, but it's like, but but really, and and ultimately, this is what led to my exploration of the multidimensionality, because some things I just simply can't explain any other way than to say, well. All I can say is that this is how it feels, you know, this is the frequency it feels that you're speaking at, and this is the frequency it feels like I'm speaking at, and they're just not matching up. And um, and and kind of giving some allowances for that. But there's this whole experience in it that you discovered. Um, I love the fact that you're speaking to this siloing because I think we're seeing the result of of allowing people to believe that their little version of reality represents the whole because then when we when we hear from other people who are who are saying well but my reality is this it's inconceivable for us to fathom and so something must be wrong with that other person because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit into your right. reality like there's real like that's like a psychological toxicity that we could unpack for decades in there uh, so how what was your journey like with with discovering that well, I think one of the one of the turning points for me was, um, and I, I write about this in my book. I do. It's a it's a parable. Um, I think it's a Hindu parable about the four blind men and the the elephant. I don't know if you recall reading that. I did. It's the one about the eating it. Well, well not I eating that observation it. of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, as the parable goes, four blind men stumbled upon an mm-hmm. elephant. They'd never seen an elephant before, so they're like, didn't know what this animal was. So each man decided to feel a different part of the elephant to determine what it looked like. So the first man felt its tusk and determined that the elephant was smooth and long and pointed at the end. Second man touched its trunk, thought the elephant felt that this animal felt like a giant python. The third man felt its leg, thought it was uh, the animal was a large hairy tree stump. And the fourth <laughs> man felt its tail and thought, oh, an elephant is a thin snake with a brush on the end. But it, so that my point of this is that each man had an accurate perception of an individual part of the elephant. So that goes to your idea of siloing and mm-hmm. um, to give a very specific example of race. As a black person, it's easy to put yourself in a silo and tell yourself that the world is extremely racist, you know, and white people are extremely hostile to, to the civil rights of black people. And to a certain extent, that's true. There is racism. I have felt it um, throughout my life, I continue to feel it. Not as much as I did when I was growing up. I'll, that's a, another part of the story, though. But the bottom line is, that is a reality. That is a piece of the elephant. But like the blind man, that is only one piece of our reality. You see, they had an incomplete picture of the entire elephant because they hadn't touched all of its parts. 
So what I like to do is I like to tweak this parable and say, what if instead of feeling the elephant for themselves, the blind man asked someone else who could, who was gifted with vision, who wasn't blind, to just describe the elephant to them? Now, imagine what would happen if the person describing the elephant to these blind men was careless and told them about every piece of the elephant's body except its tail. So the, the blind man would, would you know, go around thinking, oh, I know what an elephant you know, uh, looks like. It has these three parts, but they wouldn't know about the tail. And if someone like you or me came along years later, um, after having our awakening, you know, leaving one part of our lives like, you know, and, and moving into another part of our lives, and we realize, hey, there's something else going on in this reality. There's a, there's a tail out there. <laughs> tell people they wouldn't want to believe you. They, they, they just, they couldn't allow themselves to believe you. So bringing it back to the race analogy, people are, you know, as a black, as a black person, I have seen so much anger and so much passion in the black lives matter movement, which is, which is, it's valid. It's absolutely mm -hmm. valid, but it's just one small part of our reality because I have learned now as a black woman, who's, who's living in Montana, a state that's 95%. <laughs> I've learned that there are, there's so much more to the experience, the, our, our racial reality than we're being told. The world is not a scary place for black people. It is a, the, the racism is just, it's a small portion of the experience that we have or should be having as a black, as black people. So I think that's, that was a turning point for me coming to Montana, mm. realizing that my racial reality has been distorted similarly as I tweaked that par parable to the blind men whose reality was being distorted by someone who carelessly didn't describe all parts of the elephant. And I think right now, and to, to I hope I'm not digressing, but I think the media is distorting our racial reality. <laughs> and they're making us believe that white people and black people simply cannot get along and that the divide in this country is insurmountable. And I refuse to believe that because I'm living proof. Mm. I see it every day that our reality is being distorted. We are one people. We have so much in common and it's up to us to start rejecting the distortion of our reality and the lies mm. and come together. Well, amen, sister. That's what I'm hearing right now. It's you're, you're speaking my jam in every cell of my being. And it's, it, you know, I love the elephant story. Justin and I get this. Justin and I taught that to counterintelligence agents when we taught at the counterintelligence special agent course. So I'll share that story here in a second. We're going to go to a quick break. But Monica, before we do, where can people go to find out more about you? You can visit my website at www.letsgetunplugged.com. And my book, Reality Bites, Insights on Bridging the American Divide, is available on Amazon. It will be available on other platforms later this year. But for right now, I'm stuck with Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful folks. Stay with us. We're going to be right back. We're talking with Monica Harris today about transforming reality. Stay tuned. Hello, I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts and creator of the Superpower Network. Welcome and thank you for making us your go-to place for inspired content, training, and community. The network is so much more than a place for amazing content. It's step one on the path to unlock your superpowers. Listen to one episode daily on the Superpower Network and attune yourself to inspired conversations, higher vibrational living, and much, much more. In step two, you learn with us by watching one of our inspirational videos each week from the IM series. 
And when you're ready, come grow in community. Our superpower programs offer a unique experience for those ready to harness their superpowers to change themselves, their lives, and ultimately, the world. Go to superpowerexperts.com and take the next step on your path today. Awesome. We're back. This is Disrupt Reality. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, and we're talking with Monica Harris today about transforming reality. And before the break, Monica shared just a great, great um, depiction and then her twist on it, which I love, by the way, the the, the vision of the, the the men trying to describe this elephant and only being able to see a part of it. And you, oh my gosh, you took me back. Justin and I met at the counterintelligence special agent course teaching together and um, they came to me and asked me to write a course or a class on critical thinking. And I said, no. <laughs> they said, well, why oh, not? No. And I said, because you don't want me to do that because it's rather antithetical to the rate to the rank structure of the military, right? I don't think you want me teaching people how to think independently. It might backfire right. on you. Right. And um, they said, no, we have to. Like these are counterintel agents. We need to, we need to shift that mindset. I said, all right. So, so I figure, you know, I prayed on it a lot because I was like, mm, I don't know that they really want me to do this, but um, but I decided, you know, okay, if that's what we're going to do, then, then, then I, so I constructed a two day class and Justin was the only other instructor who could teach it because we were dating at the time and it gotten really close. And he was um, kind of immersed in all of the theories and my weird way of looking at things. And so um, we taught it and it was ego deconstruction, in-group, out-group dynamics, intergroup relations theories, social identity theories. I, we introduced everything that I'd written two different, you know, master level theses on around being a white ally and how to deconstruct things. And, you know, all of that. And they ate it up, of course, you know, because once we, when you can enliven people, you know, we, we re- tend to receive it really well. And um, so anyway, so you really took me back on that one and tried to try to explain to a bunch of counterintel agents that reality and truth are, you know, and, and, and then, you know, what is their job about? So I'd imagine you had kind of a similar existential situation from the the legal background of like, how do we have these institutions that are designed to to kind of uncover truth and yet the, the reality is is that we're we're living in disparate realities and so how do we trust you know everything from witness testimony to our own observations to um you know all of that and to expand out beyond that and and I'd imagine your situation now is very similar to ours in the sense that it's it's very difficult to walk ourselves all the way back to that place again and say well what was it that had me doing that? Like, like, what was it that, why me? Like, why am I willing to be divergent when so many others are not? Have you, have you grappled with that question for yourself? Yes, I have. I am. Um, I have this theory that people, because basically we're living in a world of illusions. You and I you know, just discussed this briefly before we, before the session. Um, it seems to me that by distorting our reality, they're they're individuals, um, and I believe they're individuals in power. All right, the individuals who control institutions. They, the distortion of this reality, keeping us separated, keeping us um, in this sort of this belief system that institutions function a certain way, that our economy functions a certain way, that we have certain relationships with each other. This serves those with money and power. Because when we're divided, we don't focus on the true sources of our problems, which are being caused by people far above our pay grade. Um, when we're when we trust institutions blindly and aren't allowed to question them, and these days 
are allowed to question them even less. I mean, it's it's there's a this is a topic for another interview, Tonya, but you know we're being silenced on an epic level that enables a distortion. It 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 it, it exa- exacerbates it. All of these things enable um, those with with power to consolidate and increase their power, and it works against those of us without power. And I've often asked myself, it's so it's so clear to me. It's become so clear to me what's really happening. Um, now that I've retreated from the rat race, I'm in my little nook of the woods. I can see how our reality is being distorted. And I I ask myself, why can't other people see this? I go on my Facebook feed and people are literally, they're living in these bubbles that I can't even relate to. And I finally figured out, Tanya, Tonya, I, I don't know if this is true, but I think the nature of human beings, and especially Americans, seems to be to want to pretend. We we want to believe, even when there's evidence staring us in the face that should compel us not to believe, like a woman who refuses to believe her husband's cheating on her, even though she's found evidence, uh, you know, lingerie in his car and, you know, mysterious phone calls in the middle of the night that hang up, you know, that hang up when she when she picks up the phone. We we want to believe that we have a free market economy that gives us a shot at getting ahead if we work hard, even as we see the middle class evaporating and we see that our own lifestyles are evaporating. We want to believe that voting makes a difference, even though we know our government's corrupt and we see the lobbying just flaunted in our face and we see the deep pockets control our politicians. We we know all these things, but yet we allow ourselves to pretend. And when someone else says, hey, I've been doing some research and did you know the two-party system is really helping elites gain more money and power in this country and isn't helping people like you and me? We don't want to believe it. We refuse to believe it because we want to pretend. And I think one of the things that is going to be critical to moving humanity forward is finding the courage to stop pretending, you know, being the kid who's who can be told, you know what, Santa Claus isn't real. I hate to break it to you, but this is the deal. Your life isn't going to end because Santa Claus isn't real. But this is a reality you need to accept. You need to grow up. And that's what we, I think, as, as humans, and particularly as Americans, need to do now, desperately. Hmm, that's so interesting. It's, I, I love that perspective in there. And, and my twist is you know, a little bit of a, a different angle on it from the perspective of when when I was in grad school, I was teaching, um, the professor I was taught teaching under was a Marxist and, um, proudly Marx. I mean, that was, that was kind of where his philosophies came from. And, but one of the things we were teaching was kind of deconstructionism. And we were teaching it in a teacher kind of prep program, right. And, and people getting their degrees in education so they could teach others. And, and I remember really tackling some of these social justice issues and stuff. And, um, the students got real frustrated, you know, predominantly white students, but not all of them. And, and, and it was like, well, okay, fine. Like, well, what do we do with it? Right. What's the solution? And, and I remember at that time, I was like, huh, that's a great question. And so I went back to the professor. I said, well, so now what? Like they, cool. They get it. Like they get like kind of sucks and it's not what they thought it was. Now what? Like, how do we help them? What What's the solution? And he kind of stared at me blankly and he was like, well, I don't know what you're going to do with it. I teach. I'm like, but what do you, what do you teach though? Like, like the, just you that teach it's the shitty. Problems. 
Like, like I'm like, that's Problem. not, that doesn't seem real helpful. You know? And at that time I had been applying for PhD programs and stuff. And I was like, you know, Hey, I can, I got this academia thing down. I can keep doing this. And, um, but that really stuck with me. And I was like, I don't know that that's the right answer, you know, or I don't, I don't yeah. know that that was the right answer for me. Right. It was the, his right answer. But for me, it was like, huh. Okay. Well, let me, and I was immersed in that. Those of you who watched our race matters um, series, our IM series um, at the height of the pandemic and stuff um, know that story of, you know, I was hired to come in to teach race relations and group relations to staff and faculty at ASU as an undergrad, like they, nobody knew how to handle this stuff. When um, it got very escalated here at Arizona State back in the '90s, and um, you know, we 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 instituted a, a, a facility, a, a, um, in the Intergroup Relations Center, to serve as an independent entity on that campus that could start having these dialogues and you know, bringing people together of these disparate realities and saying, "Hey, just listen for a moment." Like I know that's not your experience, but this is a human being, this is a person, connect with them, develop a relationship, and then listen to them explain to you what the reality looks like, right? And we, we, we fostered those dialogues and all kinds of fun stuff there. Um, but it was, that always stuck with me, it was like, if we aren't solutions-based, what are we doing? It's like, it's almost better just to keep people asleep for a minute, because having a lot of awakened people with no solution or no leadership to guide them results in everything that we saw happen last year. And so we had this really interesting mm -hmm. juxtaposition of real immaturity, very like prolonged adolescence to the highest degree, especially <clears throat> in the States. Um, there's no clear delineation of when you're an adult, when you should be doing adult like things. We, we allow people to, to do these emotional kind of, eruptions on social media and we applaud them yeah. for it. And it, I mean, it's just kind of disgusting when you think about the lack of self-control we're exhibiting. But then on the other hand, it's, there's this transition. And so I look at social and mass media from a different angle and I, I see the toxicity in it, but to me, it's a very clear invitation. And it says, look, we, you can do this. You can go into, you can create your virtual world. You can have all of this stuff. You can believe yourself to be right. And you can try to play that out in an in, in actualization, but it's not going to go well. And you're going to find yourself at odds with just about everything else. But to me, what it proved was the power in those elements. And while control is a huge conversation and power is a big conversation, there is an ability for us to use those mechanisms for an equal dissemination of connectedness and relationship. And if we are willing to kind of step back and take a look, I think we can see opportunity here because it's been proven that we can move masses of people into action. Now it's like, okay, well, what if there are enough of us who say, mm, yeah, we refuse to see ourselves in opposition to each other. We refuse to believe that you're over there and I'm over here and there's and there's no hope of us being able to, to connect. Um, if we refuse that, how does that then inform either our use of those technologies or their inevitable demise because we're just not going to feed it anymore? And, and for me, it's like I opted out, right? Like, like we have a presence as a business, you know, our, our teams use social media and, and media at large for very specific purposes. But in our world, we allow spirit to inform how 
we use them and we lead with love. And therefore, that kind of exponential power, I think, is what created, you know, over 25 million downloads on the network last year, all around topics that are feel good topics of I think we can just love each other. So so it tells me that the world's hungry for that. And if enough of us are able to position it, that there is the potentiality that we can learn to reconnect with each other. And I think that's that's a really good point. Um, but has it ever, I don't know if you ever consider this. I think about this all the time. We have this incredible power to connect that's been gifted to us um, through technology with social media, as you say, and it's become incredibly toxified. That's, you know, uh, it's, it's probably an unfortunate byproduct, but also probably um, uh, inevitable. But I think what concerns me about the ability to connect is that it's being thwarted because major institutions, big tech, are increasingly clamping down on our ability to, 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 to connect. So to give you your, your example of uh, a message that went viral that's simply about loving one another, being kind and good to one another, we could see a day when those messages might even be censored because they're threatening. See, right now, the messages of conspiracy and white supremacy and you name it, those are the threats. But the thing about uh, the reality we're living in now is that the threats keep evolving. One day they may be domestic terrorism, but there's nothing to say that in the future, messages that simply question our reality, question the, the way our, our, our institutions functions, they may be threatening as well. So that concerns me. And another thing that I think we need to consider is, and as you're a spiritual person, I'm sure you can appreciate this. I've learned that there's tremendous value in personal connection. Like when I've been in meditation retreats, which I've done quite a, quite a bit over the past few years, um, I notice that when my mind is stilled and I'm reaching a, a, a higher level with other people in the same room and we're focused, and we're, our, 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 our minds and our thoughts are completely um, directed towards um, a common goal. Um, we did this, uh, I think, at, a, at the Monroe Institute about a year and a half ago. We gathered around a bonfire, and we just we we pretty much had a prayer session, and it was incredible. About six months or less later, the individual things we prayed for we prayed for began to manifest. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before, um, and that led me to believe that there is there's some power there's some in in in, in being physically present with one another. Um, <laughs> well, that. Only, that yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, oh, yeah. I jumped in on you. No, yeah, no, physically present. And that same power is when we protest. I mean, would Black Lives Matter? Would that movement have been as powerful if people were raising their voices from behind their screens and not on the streets? I don't think so. But what's happening now is COVID has completely reduced our ability to connect physically, not just adults, children at, a, at an incredibly important developmental age. They're being pulled away from each other. I can tell you stories about how children, teachers are telling me children simply don't know how to react, you know, interact with each other anymore. And I wonder what will happen when we finally unmask? Will we be able to connect again? I'm, I have very real concerns, Tonya, that the damage that's been wrought psychologically over the past year may keep us from reconnecting on fundamental levels and gathering and building that energy that we need to confront the challenges that you've identified. And that's, 
Hmm. Well, and it, what's interesting is I think the part in there around the meditation piece, it, it actually responds to the concerns about what might happen next, because ultimately, we I think it's important to remember, we can only be controlled by technology if we're engaging with technology. And so on some level, our willingness to just simply shut the device off is incredibly powerful. And so for me, I don't engage in social media. I have Mm -hmm. very strict rules with myself about how I engage with the outside world, how I allow the outside world to influence my thoughts, my peace of mind, my sanctuary internally, my, where I go to find truth. Um, And I think there is a discipline that, that if people are willing to invoke, like at some point it's each individual's responsibility to say, this doesn't work for me anymore. This doesn't feel good. What's Mm -hmm. happening here? And I get that some people are much better equipped to do that than others. And so we're talking about issues that exist on both a mass scale, but also problems with leadership, also problems in power, right? And so it's really, I think, important important to compartmentalize where the responsibility for each of those lies. And so, of course, responsibility with corruption in government and in big business and stuff like that lies at a very infrastructure level with the leadership of our company or of our country and our ability to say, hey, we, we require more of you, right? We're asking right. you to, to make different choices. At the mass level, there is this kind of consumption um, recipient feel to it. And yet each of us has the ability to say, no, thank you. And so so as we as we wrap up today's conversation, I was reflecting on if because because we're not seeing that right in our worlds in the work that that we're doing what we're seeing is um this uh, this kind of juxtaposition between what it what is the motivation of 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 the individual or the people involved and if we if our motivation is to engage in the things of this world then then it's troubling like it, it there's a, there's a lot going on here we've got real solutions and other things and and I do agree that there's a ton of work that needs to be done there. And what I find is that if we first are willing to say, okay, what if we remember who we are? Like you said, we come together in prayer and that's being done in remarkably ingenious ways, even in the midst of COVID. Um, and we come together and we say, we're going to continue to seek that which fulfills us, that that which lights up our hearts. And, um, and from that space now come together to inform solutions and, and places and make sure that we're going to that connection first. I think it's a, a two-part system. And in that, if enough of us can get creative enough to figure out how to stay connected, which again, I contend that, that some people are doing quite remarkably, then the, that can inform then the solution. And really those are the individuals that need to be informing the solutions because the solutions can't be found from within the murk and the mire. And if people are swimming around in it and can't find their way out, I mean, the abhorrent behaviors that we saw exhibited by our, mm-hmm. our leadership, by our politicians, I mean, just on every side, like it was, it was like, yeah. is this really happening? Are we watching this clown show occur? <laughs> um, you know, like, is this a thing? And, and, you know, I was very vocal. I wrote a couple of very poignant pieces on it. Cause I'm like, is no one else seeing this? Like, this is, uh, this is, these are three-year-olds in a playground. Yeah. This is nuts. Totally. Well, okay. But, but we, by agreeing and co-signing and distributing, like, like my article on, um, we, we did this on superpower experts and the, inaugur- the inarguable solution for global recovery is all about personal responsibility. And every post that we share 
every comment that we like, everything, ask yourselves, what world am I creating by contributing to this? And if we're not willing to do that, then there's no hope because folks, it does start with each one of us. And if we're not challenged, I get that it's hard. And I get that some people have insurmountable obstacles in front of them. Well, then folks, you lean a hand out and you help those folks. Like, let's get back to just basic niceness where you people are hurting, you help them. You don't, you know, jab at them when they feel weak and, and insecure, right? We, we, we uplift them. And so I get that it feels kind of Pollyanna-ish, but I do believe very strongly that if we can't get a vantage, excuse me, a vantage point, then there's no point in having the discussions because all we're doing is perpetuating them from that exact place and there's no solution there. So some of us are going to have to kind of get a little, um, you know, maybe up in the air a second and go, wait, I, I think we can do better. Like I get that it looks bad, but I do wholly believe in the goodness of humanity and our ability to tap into that connection and, and do better. And, and that's kind of the, the walk that we go through. And I love the fact that you're giving voice to these things and saying, look, there are real problems and we need real solutions. And, you know, for me, folks, I just highly, highly recommend that you take a look at that for yourselves and where you're perpetuating the very thing that you're complaining about. Because I I believe that that's where a lot of this needs to start, both at the personal level, but also, you know, holding our leaders accountable to a higher standard of beingness and stop lobbying for what your immediate gratification might be. And instead say, wait, what is it ultimately that we want to create here and and, and start kind of getting back on track in that space? Um, It it does feel insurmountable, folks. I get it. but during these times, gather together, love each other harder, find creative ways to connect. And, um, you know, and, and then we'll see how this pans out, I guess, moving forward, right? We, we certainly <laughs> will. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be <laughs> well, really beautiful. Exciting. Well, Monica, thank you so much for joining me. I love your courage and I love your story. And I love the fact that you're persevering in spaces most people don't even dare to tread. Um, thank you for the work that you're doing and for being a voice in it and having the courage to to use your story as an example of hope for so many others. Oh, well, thank you so much for recognizing that. And it was a pleasure being here today. Mm, beautiful. Monica, why don't we let people know where they can go to find out more about you once more? Yes. Um, my website is www.letsgetunplugged.com. You can can subscribe, sign up for my my blog. I'm blogging all the time, and I also have a newsletter. And my book, and uh, Reality Bites, and Sites on Bridging the American Divide is available on Amazon now. So pick mm, it up. Beautiful, beautiful folks. Well, we appreciate you. We know you're sharing this, and we love the fact that, that more and more people are connecting into these messages of hope. And we just ask that you continue to do that. And if you're interested in in our path of unlocking your superpowers, then make sure you check out superpowerexperts.com. The first step is listen to one episode a day from the network, folks. Just listen to one episode a day. Attune yourself to the fact that we can talk to each other differently. We can have different conversations. We can, it is safe to love each other. It really is, folks. And and, and just just start there. When you're ready, you'll know and you'll move on to step two. And all of that can be found on the website. We adore you. Um, Please, until next time, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We love you. Goodbye for now. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.